Welcome to the Freedom Church Podcast. We are so glad that you are investing in your relationship with the Lord by listening to this message. Check out our YouTube channel for a complete log of all of our sermons. If you would like to know more about FC, visit our website at www.freedomfamily.us. God bless and remember that the best is yet to come. Stop, stop. You know, standing ovation and you haven't even heard me. (laughs) I better be good. Please, thank you. Well, thank you, Pastor. I'm honored to be here and um, pray that I'll be a blessing. Uh, We live in Nashville now. I did live in Hendersonville and it's been a delight to meet your pastor briefly and uh, perhaps I get to know him better. I met his wife. I don't know how he got her, he's so ugly. But, but, but I did pretty good too. I wouldn't want you to feel, how shall I say this tactfully, inferior when you find out I'm from Kentucky. I realize that you can't help it. You were not born in Kentucky, and I've got to keep that in mind. I'm from Ashland, Kentucky, and uh, but we now live in Nashville, and uh, I'm very honored that your pastor would invite me today. I want to read to you from Genesis chapter 45. What I think I will do. Uh, I'd like for you to turn to it and be ready, but there may be those here that do not know the story of Joseph. Joseph, the son of Jacob, also called Israel, he was Israel's favorite son. And um, what I'm getting ready to read is where Joseph reveals his identity to his brothers. Well, you say, if it's his brothers, why would he need to reveal his identity? It's because they haven't seen each other for 22 years. He knows who they are. It's Joseph, prime minister of Egypt. He has waited for this day. He always knew the day would come when his brothers who betrayed him who at one time were going to kill him, but he knew one day they would stand before him. And this is the moment. Now he thought, he thought that when the day came that he would reveal his identity to his brothers or they would bow before him, he thought this would be the moment that he could say, gotcha, and throw the book at them. But by the time this moment has arrived, It's been 22 years. It's a new Joseph. It's a different Joseph. And instead of throwing the book at them, he breaks down and weeps. Now, what had happened is that his father Jacob was not a good dad. He was a lousy father. It's always not a good parent when you show favoritism. And Jacob let everybody know that Joseph was his favorite. And it made the other brothers jealous. You cannot blame them. Uh, But on top of that, Joseph was so conceited. And he was a tattletale. And then, would you believe it, he had prophetic dreams that were of God. You would think, why would God be so good to give Joseph a gift like that? He, He doesn't deserve it. But... That's the way God is. He gives us gifts that we don't deserve. And uh, Joseph had a dream that his brothers would bow down to him. And just made them angry. And, oh, I had another dream last night. He said, last night the sun and moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. They didn't need to be Sigmund Freud to interpret that dream. They knew exactly what he was saying. And they couldn't take it. They were going to kill him. They were going to kill him. 
It's only because plan B, Ishmaelites turned up and they said, let's not shed blood. So they sold their brother to the Ishmaelites, never expecting to see him again. The Ishmaelites sold him to an Egyptian officer by the name of Potiphar. And Joseph, who had never worked a day in his life, is now made the head of Potiphar's household. And while he's there, uh, God exalts him, and he makes him the top person there. But then along the way, Joseph was to endure something he perhaps wasn't expecting, sexual temptation. It's only a matter of time that every child of God will face sexual temptation. And Potiphar's wife, day after day, would say, go to bed with me. And he, day after day, would say, no. And she said, sleep with me. No. And one day, when he refused, she turned against him and told her husband that he tried to rape her. A lie. But in any case, Joseph is now put in prison. And you can imagine how he feels. He's in prison for something he didn't do. Do you know what it's like to be falsely accused? And everybody believes the lie. And you can imagine how Joseph felt. He says to God, thanks a lot. This is what I get because I do the right thing. And perhaps there's someone here because you did the right thing. You're in trouble. And it's painful. Well, while Joseph is in prison, there are two other prisoners that are put there from Pharaoh. And uh, Joseph begins to make friends with these two brothers. And it turns out that uh, they have dreams. And Joseph said, well, interpret your dream. I, I can tell you what your dreams mean. At long last, Joseph's gift was going to kick in. Turned out, Joseph said to, to the baker, bad news. You're going to lose your life in three days. And he was. He, he was hung. To the butler, cupbearer to the king, good news. You're going to get your job back in three days. And then Joseph said to the cupbearer, listen, when you get your job back, tell the Pharaoh that I'm innocent. I don't deserve to be here. Remember me, Joseph, J-O-S-E-P-H, or however you spell it in Aramaic or Hebrew. But the butler forgot him. And now there was no hope. There was no hope. But it turns out that one day the Pharaoh had a dream. And nobody could interpret it. The magicians, those that are on the staff paid to interpret dreams, nobody could interpret it. And that's when the cupbearer remembered Joseph and told him to the Pharaoh. And the Pharaoh now is ready to listen to anybody. Could be that you feel you have no future because you've messed up your reputation and there's just no hope for you. What, the, what can you live for? And when you consider Joseph, he's a Hebrew. He's accused of being a rapist. And what hope has he got for a future? But God has a way, as the poet put it, God moves in a mysterious way his wonders to perform. And the day came when the Pharaoh was so desperate he would turn to anybody to get the interpretation of the dream. And it could be that you have no future, but there's one thing you do have. It's a gift that God could use, but your reputation isn't good. But you see, God can overrule that. And the Pharaoh didn't care anything about who this Hebrew was. Can you interpret my dream? Yes. Bottom line, overnight, Joseph has made the king of Egypt, that is to say the assistant, number two, the prime minister, 
of Egypt. And now Joseph suddenly is exalted. 22 years later, because back in Canaan they need food, they send their brothers, their, jo, uh, Jacob sends his sons to buy food. And to fast forward to this moment, it's the moment when Joseph's dreams are going to be fulfilled. And as I said a moment ago, Joseph thought that this would be the moment he could get even with his brothers and say, gotcha. But it's a new Joseph. And at that point, I want us to read Genesis 45, verse 1. Then Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him. He cried, make everyone go out from me. So no one stayed with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept aloud so that the Egyptians heard it. And the household of Pharaoh heard it. And Joseph said to his brothers, now speaking in Hebrew or whatever language they spoke, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were dismayed. They were terrified at his presence. Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. And they came near and he said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are yet five years and in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So, it was not you who sent me here, but God. May God be pleased to bless the reading and the preaching of this is most holy and infallible word. Brief word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I pray now for the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus by your spirit to rest upon every mind in this place in order that their perception of what I say will be received, heard as you intend. Cleanse my tongue that I will be your transparent instrument to say everything that needs to be said, nothing that doesn't need to be said. Help me to be clear, simple. Let this be life-changing. May it be the day in which marriages are healed, when family relationships are healed, when those who are afraid to speak to each other are now put at ease, that no one here will ever be the same again. And may this word bring great honor and glory to your name. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. The message that I believe I'm to bring to you today was born in what was at the time the darkest hour that Louise and I had ever gone through. It was when we were in London at Westminster Chapel, those 25 years in London, uh, the best of times, the worst of times, as Charles Dickens would put it. What we went through was horrible. The darkest hour we'd ever known. What happened? was unfair, it was unjust, it was wrong. And if I told you the story, I could win you over. But if I heard your story, I may blush to think that I suffered at all. 
In any case, what happened was not good. It was wrong. And I was angry. I was bitter. How could this happen to me? Here we are in a foreign country. We didn't ask to be there. God put us there, and then now we're betrayed. An old friend from Romania, that's where he lived at the time, happened to be in London. And because I knew he wouldn't tell anybody, I decided to tell him. His name, Joseph Tzon. It happens that he now lives in Portland, Oregon. And a week ago, I phoned him because he'd heard the story that uh, I tell about him and how he used he was used in my life. And I told him over the phone how I mimic him. Because the reason I told Joseph what they did, I said, uh, Joseph, uh, here's what they did. I thought he would put his arm around me and say, well, RT, you ought to be angry. Get it out of your system. Instead, he just looked at me and said, is there anything more? I said, no, that's it. I wasn't prepared for what followed. If I, if I could narrow 25 years in London down to 15 minutes, it would turn out to be my finest hour. It's when Joseph Tone looked at me and said, RT, you must totally forgive them. For until you totally forgive them, you will be in chains. Release them and you will be released. Nobody had ever talked to me like that in my life. Faithful of the wounds of a friend. I said, Joseph, uh, I haven't told you everything. I said, there's one thing I didn't tell you. He said, RT. And I can hear him in his Romanian accent. You must totally forgive them. For until you totally forgive them, you will be in chains. Release them and you will be released. Nobody had ever talked to me like that in my life, faithful of the wounds of a friend. I said, Joseph, I can't. He said, you can. And you must. It's the hardest thing I've ever had to do. Almost certainly the hardest thing you will ever have to do. And look, we've all got a story to tell. There are people here that have suffered far worse than we have. Perhaps you were abused as a child and it's left a scar on you all your life. You can't forgive. Your spouse was unfaithful to you. You were betrayed by your best friend. What happened when they lied about you and everybody believes the lie? There's not a thing you could do. They believe it and you have to live with it. Maybe you were raped. I could go on and on. If it could be shown that you have suffered more than anybody in Gallatin or in the state of Tennessee, and we could prove it, I wonder what you would think then. You would say, well, now you know what I've been through. <laughs> See? As if to say that means because of the way you have suffered in your case, God would not expect you to forgive that. You see, all of us look for the loophole that makes us the exception to the rule. I just want to say to you that if you've suffered more than anybody else, the angels have a word for you. You ready for this? Congratulations. That means you've got a promise of blessing 
that is greater than anybody around you because they haven't suffered like you have. And you don't realize that God set you up. And what has been the worst moment of your life, I guarantee it, could be the greatest moment of your life if you're able to do what I'm going to put to you this morning. I can tell you, you can put me under a lie detector. What happened to me those years ago was the worst moment of my life. I can now tell you, best thing that ever happened to me. You say, well, RT, it couldn't be in my case. Wait, you've no idea what God has designed for you. And so the question is, can you forgive them and bless them? And by the way, when you pray for them, you don't just say, Heavenly Father, I just commit them to you. Because you're hoping God will kill them. <laughs> That's not what Jesus had in mind. When he says, bless your enemy, pray for them. He wants you to actually bless them. And pray for them and mean it. You say, R.T., I could never do that. Just wait. Just wait. And I can tell you this, that this is tailor-made. It's no accident that I'm here, that you're here. Because if you can accept what I'm going to give you in the next 15 or 20 minutes, you'll never be the same again. And you'll thank God for me as I thank God for Joseph own. I die a thousand deaths at the thought. I told, this, told him this on the phone. I can't bear the thought of what I would be like if I had not met him. But I did meet him. And you've met me. And if you can accept what I'm going to give you, you'll thank God for me. We may never see each other again. But this is a divine appointment. Now, if I ask for a show of hands... How many of you have forgiven? I, I believe many hands will go up, no doubt. But I want to make a proposition. I want to make a deal with you. If I were to show in the next 10 or 15 minutes that you haven't totally forgiven after all, would you then do it? That's the question. So the question is, how do you know you have? Many will say, I have forgiven. But I want to put a test to you. The test will show whether you really have. Proof number one. The proof you've totally forgiven is that you don't tell anybody what they did. How do you get that, R.T.? Listen, it's all in the scripture here. Why did I read from Genesis 45, verse 1? Joseph could no longer control himself before all those who stood by him. And he cried out, make everyone go out from me. Everybody leave the room. And so they don't know why. But picture this. Here's Joseph, prime minister, in Egyptian garb, speaking through an interpreter. They don't have a clue that it's Joseph. And they suddenly, he says, everybody out. Well, they don't know why. Cabinet members, aides, out. And nobody left but the translator. He says to the translator, out. And now it's Joseph and 11 brothers and they don't know what's going on. He starts to speak to them in their own language and says, I'm Joseph. I'm Joseph. And they're scared to death. Why did he make everybody leave? It's because he's going to talk them into moving to Egypt. Leave Canaan, come to Egypt. He wants to make sure nobody in Egypt would ever, ever know what those brothers would have done to him 20-some years ago. 
He wants to make sure nobody knows. And so he's protecting them. He doesn't want anybody in Egypt to know. And when you're totally forgiven, you don't want anybody to know. Two exceptions. One, you need to tell one other person for therapeutic reasons. Somebody who will not repeat it. You can tell one, not two, not ten, not twenty, not fifty. One. Or I had a woman come into the vestry at Westminster Chapel and she said, they've forgiven my rapist and they want me to testify in a court of law. I said, well, you must. Oh, Dr. Kendall, you've taught me to forgive and I've forgiven him. I said, I believe you, that's good. But this is different. A crime must be reported. It's not personal. You're not trying to get at him. So she testified. But what's the real reason we tell it? The real reason we tell it, we cannot bear the thought that anybody would admire the person that's hurt us. We want to bring them down to earth. We want to hurt their reputation. We want to get even. We can't bear the thought that anybody would admire them. We want the world to know what they did. Stop it. What God knows about you, how would you like it if he told everybody? What if they're on a screen, your name, and all that God knows about you? Would you be happy for that to be shown? So it is what God has on me, you will never know. Because as far as the east is from the west, so far are our transgressions removed from us. The blood of Jesus Christ washes away all sin, and you will never know. But then when I turn around and tell what you've done to me, I've broken a pledge, and God's not happy with that. The proof you've totally forgiven, you tell nobody. Tell the Lord. That's okay. He, he's got big shoulders. Psalm 142, verse 2, pour your complaint out to the Lord. Well, I think of the old spiritual, nobody knows the troubles I've seen. Nobody knows but Jesus. And that's the way Jesus wants it. He's the only one. Proof number two, you don't let them be afraid of you. You see, these brothers are terrified. They're terrified. There they are in Egypt. They've got the man number two in power who can just destroy them. And they're scared to death. And Joseph says, come close to me. Come close to me. They just needed to know he loved them. He wanted to show how much he loved them. He wanted to love on them. They can't believe it. They're scared to death. But you see, when you've totally forgiven, you don't want them to be afraid of you. Put them at ease. Don't let them be nervous. You know, husband wives play this game. Keep the other on edge. Keep the other nervous. Husband says to the wife, I will remember that. He waits a day or two, quotes it back. Keep them nervous. This sermon could heal any marriage before sundown today if both of you will stop pointing the finger. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 5, love keeps no record of wrongs. Why do we keep records? To prove we've paid. Why do we keep a record of wrong? So we can throw it up to them. Don't wait for the other to start doing it right. You do it for Jesus, even if you have to stand alone. What I'm preaching today 
is the path for a greater anointing of the Holy Spirit. If that matters to you, you're in the right place. If that doesn't matter to you, you'll be bored for a few more minutes. Proof number one, you don't tell what they did. Proof number two, you don't let them be afraid of you. Proof number three, you don't even let them feel guilty. Joseph says to them, he said, I'm your brother Joseph. Now don't be angry with yourselves. You see, when you keep throwing it up and you make them feel guilty, no, that's not forgiveness. You want to set them free. You know the pain of guilt. You want to set them free. And don't be surprised if the person you have to forgive, a godly person, <laughs> fellow Christian, person in power, well-known. You've heard the poem, Living with the Saints Above, Oh, that will be glory. Living with the saints below, that's another story. And don't be surprised if you have to forgive somebody. That would shock others. And by the way, if this sermon convicts you, when the service is over, don't walk across the auditorium and say, Come here. In the light of R.T.'s sermon, I forgive you. <laughs> and they will say, for what? Well, you know what. Well, I don't, actually. Well, you do. Well, I don't. Well, you should. Now, you got a fight going, and that's what you wanted. You cannot bear the thought that they don't know how hurt you are. And you want them to know how hurt you are. You see, part of the anointing is only God knows how hurt you are. And if you let them know you've diminished a measure of power that could be yours, take advantage of the fact that they don't know. And the fact that you pray for them, they don't know that. You don't even go up to them and say, well, I, I guess you know I pray for you. No, they don't even know that. Do you know what? Do you know what? The people I had to forgive are still alive. I still pray for them every day. Proof number four, you let them save face. Do you know that expression? In other words, instead of exposing them and rubbing their noses in it, you cover for them. Give them a way out. Make them not feel so bad. Well, how did Joseph do this? Oh, look at it. He says, God sent me ahead of you. He said, it's, it's going to last for a while. You need to come and live here. He says, that's not only that. He said, God sent me before you for a remnant on earth. To keep alive for you many survivors. So, it wasn't you who sent me here. It was God. Can you accept that? These brothers are saying, he's saying, we didn't do it. Naphtali says to Gad, Gad, come did Joseph say we didn't do it? Judah says to Dan, Dan, did he say, we didn't do it? Joseph says, that's exactly right. It's predestined. 400 years ago, God prophesied that Abraham's seed would be coming up out of Egypt. So that means somebody had to get to Egypt. And somebody had to get here first, and God said, Joseph, you go first. He said, that's all it is. God sent me ahead of you. You talk about relieving of guilt. These brothers cannot believe their luck that the man they were going to kill is now saying, you didn't do it, God did it. 
total forgiveness. You let them save face. You say, well, they don't deserve it. Do you deserve to be forgiven? Are you better? We're all capable of anything that you've ever heard of if God were not to restrain you. We're all sinners. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Proof number five. You protect them from their darkest secret. What's their dark secret? Well, here's what happened. After they showed Joseph to the Ishmaelites, they yanked the coat of many colors off his back that the father had given them. They dipped that coat of many colors in blood and laid it before old Jacob and said, we found this, do you recognize it? Jo Jacob took the bait and said, a wild beast has devoured my son. I'm going to my grave in mourning. And the brothers thought they got away with it. But now they're saying to themselves, oh dear, oh dear, Joseph is going to make us go back to Canaan and tell our dad the truth about the coat of many colors. You know what? Joseph won't let them do it. Read it. He writes the script. He tells them word to word, word for word, what to say to the old man. He won't let them. You see, that's the wonderful thing. God doesn't reveal all our secrets. We've all got skeletons in the closet. We've all done things we're ashamed of. God's not wanting to yank out that skeleton and show the world. And Joseph, now, knowing the brothers are going to go back to Egypt, he won't let them tell the old man. You protect them from their darkest secret. Proof number six. It's a life sentence. What do we mean by that? Well, that means you're going to have to keep forgiving as long as you live. As it turns out, 17 years later, old Jacob dies. And the brothers now panic and they think, oh dear, Joseph's just been waiting for our father to die. Now he's going to go for us. And it turns out when they go to Joseph, in, you read it in chapter 50 of Genesis. Joseph, forgive us for what we did. And Joseph starts to cry. He says, what's the matter with you, man? I told you 17 years ago I forgave you. I forgave you then, I forgive you now. It shows that 17 years later, he still forgave them. You see, total forgiveness, total forgiveness is something you've got to keep doing as long as you live. You do it today, you do it again tomorrow, next week, next year, 10 years from now, 20 years from now. You do, nobody knows that between you and God. It's a life sentence. You don't just do it today. It becomes part of your prayer list. And finally, you bless them. You see, these brothers are so afraid that Joseph is now going to go for them. He's going to tell them, now that the old man's died, I'm going to make you men pay. No, no, no. He says, look after. I will look after you. I will bless you. I'll take care of you. See, total forgiveness is when you pray for them and you mean it. When you can do that, you're there. And when you're ready to pray for them, that's where the blessing comes. I made a deal with you. I don't know if you accepted it. I was going to ask you if you could see that you haven't totally forgiven, would you then do it? The hardest thing I've ever, 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 ever had to do is to pray for people who've hurt me that God will really bless them. But you know what? That's the secret to any success that I've had. At one time, I thought my ministry was finished. But I did what Joseph said to do, Joseph's own. And I have forgiven them, and I've kept it up. I've kept it up. And over the years, now I've reached the world. I've written 
over 80 books. It's not my education. It's not my brain. It's not even because I'm from Kentucky. <laughs> it's because this is the way to live, and God will do it for you. And he won't bend the rules for anybody. Sorry. You have to come now. And I just wonder if there's anybody here who says, R.T., I needed that. That sermon was for me. It's decision time. I'm going to ask you to do something that you maybe never dreamed of doing. But I'm going to ask you in 60 seconds from now, not yet, but in 58 seconds from now, in 55 seconds, if you're ready to forgive and do it totally, in 50 seconds from now, I'm going to ask you to stand up. Not yet. You see, in front of all these people, yep. Oh, they'll know I've had a problem. Yep. Is that important to you, what people think? This is your moment to show God. He matters. And you want His blessing, and you want to honor Him. Don't stand. Unless by standing you're prepared to say, I won't tell what they did. You say, RT, I've already done it. Don't do it anymore. Don't stand unless you're prepared to let them be at ease around you. You love them. Make them feel good. Let them save face. Protect them from their darkest secret. And make a commitment that from today on you'll pray for them and you will bless them. Five, four, three, two, one. If you're prepared to forgive, I want you right now to stand to your feet. Up here on the stage, I cannot see who's standing it just as well. But here's the thing. If you, you stay and remain standing, I'll wait a few more seconds. There's a verse in Isaiah. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he's near. He's near today. He's near. He may not always come like this. Take advantage of it. All right, you that are standing to show you mean it, I'm going to ask you to leave your seat, come down to the aisle, and stand right here in front of this platform. Come quickly. Make room, there's plenty. Get, come all the way to the front so they can form a second row. I can see now who's here. I couldn't tell till this minute. Looks like a bunch of you. Now what you've just done is the easy part. The hard part will be an hour from now, and you think, what came over me? Or tomorrow morning after a cup of coffee, you say, I can't believe I did that. Now look, we haven't prayed yet. You can still get out of it. And I'm not going to look and see who's praying. This is not between you and me. For some of you, for several of you, this is the most important moment since your conversion. Why did I make you come up to the front? You want me to tell you why? Two reasons. One. This way you won't forget it. The other is, we're going to pray now. And we're going to enter into a covenant. That makes it serious. So you can still get out of it. In the Old Testament and New, when there was a covenant, they shed blood. That's how serious it was. 
You, you meant it. Well, we're under the blood of Jesus shed 2,000 years ago. And if you're ready now to forgive, I'm going to give you a prayer to pray. I'm going to ask you to repeat it out loud. Don't say it unless you mean it. But if you mean it, then you're making a covenant with God and the angels are watching. Now you can hold your hands like this if you want. It doesn't matter. But I just want you now to realize you're going to be talking to God out loud. Lord Jesus, I need you. I want you. I'm sorry for my sins. I'm sorry for my bitterness. Wash my sin away by your blood. I forgive them. You forgive them. I bless them. You bless them. I set them free. I set them free. I set them free. Come Holy Spirit. Thank you for your patience with me. I give you my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. One last P.S. If you mess up, you will. You point the finger, you shouldn't have, say something, shouldn't. Here's what you do. Immediately confess it. Don't let the devil come in and say, well, you broke the covenant, so it's over. No, that would be the devil. He wants you to break it. When you mess up, just say, Lord, there I go again. I'm sorry. Keep an, an unbroken relationship with him. And you know what? If you keep this up, six months from now, year from now, down the road, the blessing is incalculable. That's it. I'm finished. God bless you. way back to your seats. Could we give the Lord and Dr. Kendall a hand again? All right. All right. For those of you that are sitting, the rest of you, everybody stand. We're going to go into a time of giving. And I want to say thank you for uh, your faithful giving to our church family. And we're so thankful that you're here today. Um, also, as we prepare to give, there's multiple ways you can do that. Um, they put that on the screen. Uh, you can do the things electronically. Uh, you can also do it tangibly as you leave at the doors with our ushers. But I want to say thank you for your faithful giving to Freedom Church. And we're just so thankful that we can reach people to know God. That's why we exist as a church family. Also, if you're here and you're brand new today, thank you for coming today. I'd like to ask you, if you would, to be able to take a card out of the back of the seat, or you can click online. Those of you that's watching online, let us know uh, that you are here. Those of you that's in the auditorium here, if you would, take that card out of the back of the seat. We'd appreciate it very much. Put as much information on it as you feel comfortable doing. Carry it out the info desk, and we want to give you a gift to say thank you for this day that you would come to commemorate your time being here. And if you're brand new here, do us a favor. Give us a three-peat and to see if this is your church family. And we'd appreciate it very much. And also, most of all, if you gave your life to Christ for the first time, I will be over at Next Steps. If you prayed the prayer and God done something remarkable in your life, please come and let us know where Next Steps over by the Freedom Coffee House. Uh, but right now, what I'm going to do at this moment, I'm going to pray over the offering, and then I have one thing to share with you. Um, actually, two. It's very short. And then we will let you go. Would you pray with me today as we pray over our time together in our offering? Father, we thank you so much for being able to be here today. Thank you for our strength. We thank you most of all for your word. And God, thank you for changed lives in a full direction of total forgiveness for those who prayed today. God, thank you for that for Dr. Kendall and his lovely wife, Louise, for sending them our way today. 
God, right now we're giving back to you, God, because everything we have is yours anyway. So thank you for the privilege and honor we have to be able to give back the resources which you've blessed us with. We do that not only to partake together, God, to be able to reach the world to know you locally and globally and everywhere in between. We do that out of obedience to show that we are so thankful for what you've blessed us with that we can be a blessing. So use that for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, just two things real quick. Next Sunday, look at the person next to you and say, next Sunday. I'm going to be sharing a vision message about where we're at in life and where we're at as a church family and how that affects all of us and where we're at. So I'd love for you to be here, bring somebody with you. But two weeks from today, we're starting a brand new series. And, I, and a lot of people think, well, it's on parenting. I'm an empty nester. It doesn't affect me. Sure it does. We all have influence. Whether you are, are an empty nester, you're a grandparent, you're expecting a child, you're in the heat of the battle of raising them right now, we're doing a series called Don't Blink. Don't blink. If you get, if, especially if you've got kids, you don't blink because it goes by so fast. Because we want to be sure that we pass faith to the next generation. Would you agree with me with that? We need to pass faith to the next generation, church. Come on now. That's what we need to do. So as you leave, as you leave, there's some invite cards here called Don't Blink. I'd like for you to not just throw these in the console of your vehicle or in your purse or, or get them and take and lay them down on the counter at home. And next thing you know, two weeks from the day comes and you've not even tried to go out of your way. I want to challenge you to be proactive about finding families, especially that have children, because we love kids at Freedom Church. And we want to do everything we can do to invest in you as our parents and grandparents and those of you here that have influence and kids in your circle of life. But we want to invest in our community. Because it makes a huge difference. We love kids and you, we show that by what we're doing here at our church family. So go out, invite somebody, take some invite cards with you. Other than that, uh, God bless each and every one of you. Thank you for being here today. And uh, if we've, Shannon and I have never met you. We'll be at Next Steps over there. If you pray the prayer of forgiveness with the Lord Jesus Christ, come and see us. Other than that, God bless you. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Come next week, bring somebody with you. Don't come alone. Love you. God bless you.